a year ago, we started our Welcome Home campaign, and some of you were handed a card uh, that has some more information on that. So right away, I, I probably overdo it on the disclaimers as a pastor whenever I'm going to talk about generosity and stewardship. It's just because I grew up in church. I know a number of people. I've, I've met a number of people. If you've talked to people and they say, they give you the top three reasons why they never want to go to church, one of those three is pastor's always asking for my money. And so I know that. And so maybe some of you today are here and you for years said, I'm never going to a church again because every time I show up, the pastor's talking about money. And then today you said, okay, God, I'll give you one more chance. And today happens to be the day that I'm doing an update on our capital campaign. Um, I say that kind of joking because a year ago when we did this, I said that exact same thing. I said, some of you maybe have not been at church for years. You're coming today for the first time, and the reason you didn't go to church because they were always asking for money, and you came, and today I'm doing a campaign. Well, a few weeks later, I had somebody come up to me, and he said, that was exactly me, exactly me. I had not gone to church for years. My number one reason was because I was tired of the pastor asking for money, and I gave it one more chance, and I showed up today, and you said that very thing. He still, their family still goes to the church today, so yes. So that's a, good, that's a good sign. For all the cynics out there, that's a good sign. He stuck with us, and, and his family stuck with us. But for the next two Sundays, I just want to give you a little update of where we are in this campaign. So many of you have already committed to give over two years, and we're halfway through that giving stage now. Um, I want to give you some updates on the building and the process where we are at. Um, and really what we're asking of you who have made a commitment to the Welcome Home campaign, next week when we turn in cards, you can just affirm, if you want to just affirm your commitment and write that down again, we will not bill you for a whole new commitment amount. We know, you know, we, we know we have records of who, who pledged to give what. And another disclaimer, I'll probably have several of them, this is, this is between you and God. I just want to say that right up front. What we're going to talk about today is having a heart of stewardship, a heart of generosity, at no point will we send the scary people from our church to your front door and with, a, with an offering bucket stuck in your face saying, give, give us your commitment. This is between you and God. So those of you who have given a commitment, we're asking that you would just affirm that uh, next week when we collect cards. But we also recognize that in the last 12 months at Homestead Church, we've had some new families join us. Our church is growing, and we are excited about that. So we wanted to do this also to give an opportunity for some new families. If you would like to join us in raising some money over and above our tithes and general offerings to get a new church home, um, you might be asking, well, if we need a church home, where are we right now? Well, we're sitting at Faith United Methodist Church. Four years ago when we started Homestead Church, Christy and I were driving around town, and we said we need a... Well, it was before we started. We... We need a place to meet. We're having meetings in our home. We're getting a group of people together. And so we came to this building one day on a Monday, and the doors were open, and we walked in, and there was nobody here. So we gave ourselves kind of a self-guided tour. And then when they showed up on Tuesday, we had all our stuff set up. And they didn't know that. This didn't happen. Um, but they have been wonderful hosts for us. We started out four years ago meeting on Sunday nights. And uh, that worked for a while. And then we realized for a lot of the families in our church, Sunday nights were just tricky. Also what happened is, and what you'll experience in another month, there's no air conditioning in this building, and so it's going to get warm. Um, and Sunday nights were really, really warm. Just the, you know, the wood ceiling, and the, it would just kind of cook all day, and you'd come in here, it would kind of smell, it would smell like a sauna, as well as feel like a sauna. So we moved to Sunday mornings. Still a little warm, but better than it was on Sunday nights. Um, they have been wonderful hosts here at Faith United Methodist, and so we, we pay rent to them every month. 
We are allowed to keep all our kids' rooms set up. We have some flexibility of use. As opposed to renting a high school or a middle school auditorium, we can use this facility during the week. We have midweek services. Youth can meet on Sunday night. So it really has been a great start for us, but we have known that we need to find our own church home. Every family needs a home. So that's what we've been working towards. Um, so I'll give you a little bit more inf information on that. But I just wanted to kind of introduce this. We're going to be talking about this uh, today and then a little bit next week again. I want to talk about stewardship and generosity, having a heart of stewardship and generosity. So I say all of these things to say if you're suspicious today, if you're new to church and you're like, great, I knew it was going to happen, I just want you to relax, take a deep breath and realize this. We're glad you're here. We are a family at Homestead Church. We're a community of people. We love doing life together. We want to impact our community. We want to grow in our faith. And we recognize there are hurting people that need a group of people to rally around them and support them. We recognize there are needs in our community, and we as a church want to take part in that. There's all sorts of good things that we as a church family are going to do, and you are welcome to be a part of that, whether or not you ever give a dime to this church. You have to know that. Okay, that's not going to change. I'm not going to, if you're in the hospital and you need someone to visit you, I'm not going to pull up the giving records and say, now who should we send today? The A team or the B, you know, it's not going to be like that, right? You're a part of this family whether or not you give to this church or not. I'm not here to get your money. God's not here to get your money. God wants your heart. God wants your heart. Stewardship and generosity is part of that. But I want you to know you're welcome here. I want you to just feel at home. Um... When we started this campaign a year ago, we had two goals. And the first one was to get everybody on board in the specifics of this project. There's a building, downtown Farmington, we want to buy. We wanted everyone to get excited about the future of our church when we had a home, a ministry tool that we could use, the great potential there. Um, to be a light in our community, to have flexibility, to offer multiple services, to have different events throughout the week. So that was the first goal, all the specifics of there's a building and we want to buy it and it's going to be awesome. The second goal was that for all of us, that we would grow in the area of generosity and stewardship. That we would learn to live generously with a strong faith and trust in God that he is our provider. And he provides us in, in, for everything we need, including our financial resources. So the second goal was really generally a heart of stewardship and generosity. Because when it comes to our money and our ability to give freely, it is a trust issue, isn't it? Because so often our, um, our hindrance to that is fear-based I, will, I like my money, right? I want to keep it close in case I need it. And the idea of giving it away and being generous with it, trusting that God's going to provide for us, man, that is a heart issue. That is a trust issue. God wants your heart. God wants your trust. And God wants to use you. And we looked at this a year ago when we did this campaign, and we'll do that a little bit over the next two weeks. God really wants to use you to distribute his resources. The money you have is from God. God owns all the resources, and he's given some to us so that we can distribute it, that we can give to those who are in need, and that we would be good stewards of his resources by generously giving to others. And as we do that, our human mind thinks, well, we're going to run out. But what we do when we trust God and trust the principles of Scripture is we live generously and we have hearts of generosity and we trust that God is going to provide for us what we need. We give, he provides. We give, 
He provides. It's kind of the flow of resources that the Bible talks about is he provides, we give. We give, he provides. It's just like this. It's different than what we think it should be in our human world. And what we hear in our society is we take, we give, we acquire, we hoard, we save, we, you know, and saving money and it's fine, it's good. But the Bible talks about the main idea of trust is we give, he provides. So God is going to provide for this church. God is going to provide for this new building. We've already seen him do that in wonderful ways. Some of you have great testimonies of, I, I stepped out in faith and God did this. We have a testimony of that in our family. God's going to provide. He's already doing that in wonderful ways. But what God is doing for everybody here, me included, is he's inviting us to be a part of this process, to give generously, to participate in his economy. This is what it means to give our finances to God, to bring God into this area of our life. So this is really kind of the main theme. I want to update you on all the specifics of the campaign, but really the main theme is this. I want us to grow in a heart of trust and generosity. So what we're going to do first is, we haven't seen this in about a year. We have a video that we're going to show. We have our campaign video that we showed a year ago. I wanted to do that just for those of you who are new to give you an idea, a general idea of the project. Maybe if someone knows how to turn off the lights out there, we could do that. So go ahead, we can play that video. We could really feel the life in the church and the warmth of the church. You know, you came one Sunday and it's like, I can't wait to come back the next. What isn't there to love? I mean, it's just, uh, it's just a great place to be with good people. When we started coming, our kids would say, we want to go to the super fun, awesome, cool church. And that meant Homestead Church. When people come here, you know, they just feel welcome and they feel like they're part of the family. Just the love and the compassion that's shared is really what we're looking for. So we love our homestead. It was three years ago that Homestead Community Church launched in Farmington. And for Christy and I, it has been a pleasure to pastor this great church in our great city. And in those three years, we've seen God build his church. Families are being transformed, broken lives are being healed, and people are receiving salvation through faith in Jesus. His church is alive, it is growing, and it is impacting our community. We come back to Homestead because we love the people here, the family feeling, the connection, the kindness that we get. Like, we walk through the doors and people are joyed to want to get to know you and know about your day. What we love about our church is that it really feels like a family. Everyone is welcome and everyone has a place to belong. But we haven't had a home and every family needs a home. time is now to purchase and renovate a historic building in downtown Farmington, which would put our homestead in the heart of our great community. This building is 11,000 square feet, which will give us a great tool for ministry at Homestead. I love to imagine a lobby that is set up like a coffee shop where the family gathers on Sundays, but also throughout the week. Students will gather. I want our building to be used for community events, for after-school programs, music lessons, and other things that will be a light in our community and for our community. Well, my favorite thing about the church is that the worship leaders are awesome. My favorite thing about the church is that you get to see your friends and family. 
At Homestead, we love our kids so very much, and so we are excited to renovate this building to accommodate our kids' ministries. We're planning on nurseries that are warm and welcoming, a space for our big top littles, which is our preschool classrooms, as well as a space for our big top kids, for our elementary students, a place where they can grow in their faith in Jesus Christ and make good friends. I think the biggest thing is everybody loves being a part of a family, and a big family is even better. And the fact that they are so good at taking care of the family as a whole, um, they're investing in marriage and they're investing in your kids, and you just really feel loved as soon as you walk through the door. Right now we're standing in what will be the main auditorium for our church. So I want you to imagine with me this room being filled with people, lifting up praises to God and learning and growing in their faith. But I want you to picture some neighbors of yours, friends and family members of yours that don't know the Lord as their savior. And I want you to picture them coming to faith in Jesus Christ in this room as a part of the ministry of this church. We believe with this tool for ministry, our homestead can be a light in the center of our town. So we are asking our church family to come together to help us purchase and renovate this building. We're in our Welcome Home Capital Campaign, which is to raise money to help us get into a permanent home. So thank you in advance for your prayerful consideration of what God would have you do to help this campaign, to help Homestead Church in this new season of ministry. I'm excited to see what God is gonna do as we continue to see his kingdom advance in this church and through this church. God bless you. exciting. I like that video. Anyone else excited? Probably looking at it thinking everybody, everybody's a year older from that video. The kids grow up and the, the grown-ups do as well, a year older. Um, that's the video. We are excited. That gives you a basic idea of the, of the building that we're purchasing. Um, I have one, so we've had uh, this project, we presented it to the adults a year ago. We had the youth also, the student ministries has been involved and our big top kids, we handed out little red piggy banks for the kids to say, hey, we want you to start raising some money for the building. I like this, that it is a project for the whole family. I want our kids to learn at a young age what it means to trust God with finances, what it means to be generous, what it means to sow seeds into his kingdom. So our kids have been great. I love that our students are involved. I want, it to, I want it to be a generational thing where kids can go into a kid's room and they can say, hey, yeah, the students of our church, the teenagers believed in you kids so much that they, the money they raised went towards this. I want them to look and say, hey, the adults believe in us as kids. I want the students to say, hey, look at our parents believe in us. They sowed seeds into this. I love that it's a whole family endeavor to raise money, to learn how to be good stewards. So I have one picture. Can we throw that picture that's up there? This is Greta Wibben. Now, you know, you know the Wibben family. They're around here. You might recognize Greta. So she got one of those piggy banks, and she brought it back. It was probably a couple months ago. She had filled it up. I'm not sure if she took a new one. We might need to give Greta a new piggy bank. But we counted out there was over $61 in the piggy bank. Greta was super excited to be Let's give a hand for Greta. So Kevin and Emma, they're a great family, the Wibben family. Um, 
And so we were super excited to take that picture. I love that the kids are being involved. I want us to just have a, um, a heart that's open to God, an excitement for what God wants to do. If everyone does their part, God's going to use that. And again, God is after our heart. God has ways of providing in miraculous ways that we won't even dream of. But this is what has happened so far. Greta has given $61, so we're well on our way there. But, so I wanted to give you a couple uh, numbers here. So we can throw up that slide with all the numbers on it. Our initial campaign goal, hopefully you can read that. This projector's not the, not the greatest. Our initial campaign goal was to raise $300,000. And the pledges that were committed over the few weeks that we raised pledges, we had $548,575 committed over two years. So can we, you know, give a hand for that there? That was awesome. So we said we need a new goal. So let's, let's get a new goal. So at the bottom, our new goal for the whole campaign is to raise $650,000. The total given so far, so money that has been given that was pledged, is 291336 which is 54% of the total. So we're about 54% through this campaign, so we're right on pace. Good job, everybody. Um, so that is that was the initial goal. That was committed uh, in the initial campaign a year ago. That's what's been given so far. Our new goal total is $650,000, so we would love to see that achieved, um, and, that, and so we are, have one year left of this campaign, so that's what we want to raise in the next year. All right, um, before we began the campaign, um, as a church, we had just set aside money every month that came in. So we had $100,000 in savings that we had set aside into a building fund. Um, and so that is also there that we will use towards this project. So the next slide, if we can throw that next slide up there, the next numbers. So the building there, we had been in negotiation for quite a while. Um, there was some repairs that needed to be done. And we finally just said, well, we need to come in with a lower offer and just offer the, to take the building as is. We had a very thorough inspection done by a team of engineers. So we have a pretty good idea of what all needs to be fixed and repaired. Um, and so our low, low, low offer, he, the owner, came back and said, mm, no, not so much. And so we came up a little bit. And he's like, I was thinking this. And he was still pretty high. So we just said, OK, well. We'll kind of wait and see. And he came back right before Christmas. He came back and said, okay, what about 300000 I said, done. I mean, I'm pretty sure I need the board to approve, but I'll talk to the board. But let's do it. So the building price is $300,000 as is. There is a lot next door, an open lot that the city owns that we've talked to them about buying. It would be just kind of green space for now. Um, with the option, you know, we, for now we'd kind of treat it as outdoor space, patio, you know, space for the kids to run around. Um, and then it also provides us an opportunity for future expansion if we wanted to do that. So that's $28,000 is what the city is uh, asking for that. We will be able to, with money that has come in, money in the bank right now, pay for the building and the lot, which is amazing that we got the building for that price and that we're going to be able to write a check for it. I think that's how we do it, right? We write a check? I want to write that check. That's going to be good. It probably won't be a personal check. I don't know if they'll uh, give, give them one of those big novelty checks. See if they take that. Um, and so we uh, are also seeking a loan for renovation and repairs of $650,000. We have talked to a couple lenders, one bank that we've um, been dealing with primarily. They are 
they are on board, you know, pending a final appraisal and a few other a few other details. So that would be the loan that we want to have to cover a majority of the renovation and repairs. And in addition to that money we have in the bank and leftover pledge money will go towards that. So that is kind of where we are at. That's the building price. Um, we have a purchase agreement signed. Right now we are working with an architect, Station 19 Architects in Minneapolis. They have been great to work with and more information on what they've come up with so far. Um, but right now we are working on getting construction drawings done so that we can get a bid, so that we can get a final appraisal, so that the, the loan, the lending company can approve the loan officially and we can close on the building. I'm, I'm learning a whole lot about this. They all, all these steps need to happen before we can finally close, so we are moving forward quickly. I, Christy and I were laughing for three or four years. We were looking at this building, praying, waiting, like, oh, why can't things kind of speed up a little bit? We've been waiting forever. All of a sudden, that purchase agreement was signed, and I'm like, well, why do we have to move so quickly? It had, you know, we have 60 days to get all these things done. So, But that's where we're at with the architect getting construction drawings. Um, wanted to update you on all of this just to let you know we are in a good situation financially, but the more money we have from commitments earlier, the better position we will be in to uh, do things up front. Um, we will pull from the line of credit for the loan as needed. We've got a crew of uh, workers that were getting all the timing worked out because the timing is, you know, when you're waiting for all these things to happen, it's, that's the thing. We're like, well, we're not sure when we'll close exactly or when we can start uh, renovating. But the goal is the, latter, the, the second half of June, somewhere in there, which is coming up quick, we're going to close on the building and we will start work uh, hopefully early in July. And then by August, we're going to be in the place. So... No, that's not true at all. The June and July part is accurate, we think. It's going to take a little longer than that to renovate. So we are hoping by the end of the year to be in it, having services there. It might be the first part of next year. But it will be before another hot summer of no air conditioning. And we will have air conditioning in the building. So, All right, so we, there, is a, there is a spiritual component to this sermon. But one more thing before we get to that, I'm pretty excited about Hopefully you can see this. Um, we, might need to, we might need to kill those lights again. Can we throw up that floor plan? I, so that gives you a idea. Can, yeah, we'll kill these lights so we can see. So that building will have a lobby and cafe. That whole, like this whole hallway that goes along the bottom, that's the south end of the building. So if, if you know where the building is, that's right across the street from the Farmington Bakery, which will be a key ally in our ministry as a church. Um, so there's going to be a lobby, kitchen area, um, and then the elementary youth area. What we really looked at was the best way to make use of the space is we needed another larger meeting room. So it's going to be a multi-purpose room where the kids and youth will be able to use that. I love the idea of youth meeting on a Sunday night where that flows right into the lobby area. It just feels like a great spot for them. We'll have a conference room, meeting room, and then a pre-K classroom, bathrooms, elevator, all those fun, exciting things. All right, so that's the main floor plan. Upstairs, there's the worship area. Um, that has about 160 seats available. We have already bought the chairs. They're sitting upstairs right now, ready to go. There'll be another kitchen area. Really, that, that room, the worship space upstairs, we see that as a multi-purpose room for throwing different banquets, events, dance parties, all those good things. All right, so we'll, flexibility will be key on that. Another storage space and another nursery area. Here's... Well, you got to know about this building right away, and maybe you have figured it out by looking at it. It's not a huge building, okay? We're not buying this huge building and saying, someday we're going to fill it up. 
we're going to have room to grow through multiple services. If we moved there right now, our current congregation is going to fill that building up pretty good in one service. So right away, when we start meeting there, and you can start planning for this, we're going to have two services. We're going to start with multiple services. So I want you to be thinking of that because when we switch to two Sunday morning services, we're going to need more volunteers. But the good part about two Sunday morning services, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, is you can go to a service and you can serve at a whole other service. You can do both on a Sunday morning and still get home in time for kickoff. So that's going to be awesome. Probably like a 9 a.m. and a 10.30 a.m. service. There's parking. There's tons of parking. We just don't own any of it. It's all city parking. But they did a whole study of all the city parking that's available. Sunday mornings will not be a problem. There's lots of parking available. I'm excited for the opportunity for growth. This building is a great... The reason we love this building, A, it's right in the heart of our town. There's going to be a great curiosity for our community to say, oh, there's something in that building. Anyone I tell that we're looking at that building, oh, I can't wait to see what you do with it. I'm excited to have something in that building. But there is room to grow right now to where we could have, you know, potentially three services on a Sunday morning. And when we outgrow that, well, then we'll look at, okay, well, now we need to either expand this building or come up with another option. But we're a church of, you know, on a typical Sunday morning, 160, 170 people come here. So, and we could be a church of 600 people on a Sunday morning before we really, really, truly outgrow that building. So, it was attainable for us now financially, rather than buying land and, sa- and uh, paying that off and saving up, you know, $6 million to build a brand new building. This was one where we thought we can get in there. It fits us, our personality. We love the look and the feel of that building. And it gives us the ability to grow to, you know, five, 600 people. And then we can look at the next thing, whether it's expansion or, or relocation. I don't think we're going to ever really get rid of that building once we get it. It took us five years to get this building. We're going to hang on to it. So, so that is the building. Um, I'm excited about that. I'm, I got really excited seeing those floor plans. They actually showed us a what could be a potential addition when we have that city lot next door. There's also a small garage owned by XL Energy. So we're going to need to pray that one into the fold here in a couple of years. Because if we had those, then we could have like a larger auditorium that we could build. So all that is really, really excited. I'm excited about that. So specific ways you can pray for this project. First is, um, and we said this a year ago when we started, Just pray and listen and obey. Pray, listen, and obey. We said that. As far as your involvement in this project, God, what would you have me do? We had a moment where Christy and I prayed, and God revealed to us a step of financial faith that was bigger than what we were anticipating. But what we saw was that when we did that, God was faithful to open up doors. I'll tell you about that in just a little bit. We want you to pray, to listen, and obey. How how does God want you to participate? But specifically, over the next few weeks, you can pray for the appraisal process. We need a good appraisal. We don't, I mean, we have every reason to believe it'll be a good appraisal. Pray for the architect, the timing of all these things that need to happen in the next six weeks. You can specifically pray for that. Just God bless the architect firm, bless the bank, the lenders, help everything to fall into place, help the timing with all the workers. Pray for the safety of our workers, those who are coming in to work on this building. Uh, And pray for an excitement in the community. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of people excited. I think there's probably a few people who are not going to be excited that a church is taking that building, but oh well, we, we got the purchase agreement. So, um, But pray that there would be an excitement. Pray, And I'm praying for the people who are going to come to faith in that building. 
there's just a harvest in this community that I, I love, and I'll talk more about this at the end, I love the stories that we're going to be able to tell of God using, it's just a building, it's not the church, the people are the church, but God's going to use that in unique ways, and I'm excited about that. So those are some things you could pray for over the next few weeks. I'm excited. I hope you're excited too. So if you have a Bible, the next minutes that we have here, I just want to look at a couple verses in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I got to pick up the pace here. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Now, again, as I said last week, it happened again this week. Our Foundations reading plan, we're reading through the New Testament, and if you would like more information on that, we got a Foundations book we could get to you. But it has a reading plan, five chapters a week. We're going through the New Testament. And this passage of Scripture, if you're following along, was in our reading plan this past week, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I want to read verse 7. If you have a Bible, you can turn there, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. If not, it'll be up on the screen. This is the Apostle Paul talking to a group of believers in Corinth. It says this in verse 7. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love that we have kindled in you. So Paul is saying, since you're excelling in all these areas of growing in your faith, becoming more like Christ, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See that you often excel, also excel in this grace of giving. Giving, what Paul is saying, is a part of our growth. Just like growing in our love, in our kindness for each other, growing in our faith. Part of that is growing in a heart of generosity and giving. And often, this is one of the most difficult areas to do that, right? Often this is kind of the last thing that we give over to God. Like, I really like my money. I'm going to hang on to it. We kind of keep a pretty tight grip on our resources, makes it often the most difficult thing to give over to God. And it's deeper, I think, if we operate in that kind of fear-based, kind of I want to control all my money, it's, it's much deeper than, well, I want to have money for extra toys or essential oils or all the things that I want to spend money on. It's more than just I want to buy more stuff. It's that money, in this culture especially, is tied to so many things. It's tied to our success, right? We measure success by how much money we have. It is so often tied to our security, how secure we feel, how much I have in the bank, what if something happens. It's that swing of, of being fear-based. Like Often the difference between fear in our everyday life and peace in our everyday life is how much money we have in the bank, right? We see our security as coming from our resources. Also, our status in our society. All of these things we tie into our money. So giving away our money is seen as giving away our security, our status, our success. We hold on to it. Have you ever tried to get a cell phone away from a middle schooler? Have you ever tried that? I try that at my house. It's just like, no, 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 I need that. Often our money is that way, right? And we, have you ever tried to get a cell phone away from a middle schooler? I tried it this week. It's not easy, right? We clutch on to our resources, because we tie so many things into that. And remember, what did we say right at the start of today? God wants our heart. God wants us to measure. How does God want us to measure our security and our success and our status? He wants us to find all of those things in him. It's not about what we have saved in the bank. It's that we trust that God is providing. So God wants our heart, our relationship with him. He wants that to be the source of all of those things. So rather than viewing God as a controlling parent trying to take away all our fun, let's look at the way that Scripture describes kind of sowing generously, sowing our resources. The very next chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, just the next page over, it says this. 
Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, that's pretty complete right there, all things, all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Continue on, it goes to the next slide. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. What a great passage of Scripture. That passage describes our resources, our financial resources as seeds. So imagine a farmer with seeds. A farmer has to sow the seeds if he wants to reap a harvest. So how irrational would it be for a farmer to have all these seeds and for him to say, I don't want to sow them. I don't want to plant them because then I have to get rid of them. And what if I need them someday? What if something happens? What if, you know, what if, what if, what if? Instead of sowing these seeds, I'm just going to hang on to them for myself. That's irrational because you have to plant the seeds in order for the harvest to come. God is saying it's the same thing with our finances. God's principle of stewardship is this. We sow, he provides. We sow, there is a harvest. And it's up to us to decide how we want to participate. It's said right there. God loves a cheerful giver. Give what you've decided in your heart to give. Give cheerfully and generously. It's up to us to decide how to participate. I'm not going to give anybody a number. You, between you and God, you decide what you're going to participate. But if you're doing it out of compulsion, if you're bitter, if you're feeling manipulated, if anything I'm saying today feels like manipulation, well, that's completely missing the point. That's not what God is saying. Nobody wants that. But the fruit of generosity that comes in that is this. As we cheerfully give, the fruit was mentioned in verse 8. That you'd have all that you need. That you would abound in every good work. There is a blessing that comes in generosity. Amen? There's a blessing that comes in generosity. Because it is a sign that our heart is over to trusting God. Our heart is given over to trusting in Him and His ability to provide. But it also says something in verse 9. It also says there's an increase. Now, this is the part that gets really, really uh, misused in churches, right? You've seen this. If you've been up in the middle of the night flipping through the channels, you've seen this on the, on the infomercials, right? The holy things that you can buy or the seed that you're going to sow and then you're going to be rich, all those things. But it talks about this. There's an increase. But I'm not, I'm not preaching that we are generous so that we can get rich. And that's not what the Bible is saying either. There is an increase to your seed. In verse 9, it said that there's an increase to your seed if you're faithful. What happens is God knows he can trust you with the resources he's given you. So he's going to be willing to trust you with more. So I can trust that person. They're not keeping everything for themselves, but they understand the trust. They understand that God's going to provide and they're going to sow the seed. So there is an increase because God knows that he can trust you with more resources. Why? So that we can be more generous. That's what the scripture said. God's going to provide. We can be generous. God's going to trust us and provide more. We can be more generous. 
This is a great way to live. Doesn't that sound like a better way to live than this fear-based, stressed out in the middle of the night, like, how's this going to work? How am I going to pay for this? I got kids that need braces, and maybe they'll be fine with crooked teeth and all these things. Like, we just ever been up in the middle of the night just worried irrationally about financial things? And I get it. There, I've been through season where the, the, the financial need was not just a late-night irrational thought, but it is a very real a very real need. And I want to encourage you. And this is not as a way of saying, if you have financial need, just give in the offering, give more in the offering today, and God's going to drop a big pile of money on your front porch tomorrow. I'm not saying that. But in a heart of faith and trust, whatever our level of resources are, certainly we recognize our level of resources compared to everyone, a lot of other people in the world, we're on the upper shelf. We can be generous Regardless, it's a heart thing. It is living with generosity and trust. That idea of God increasing our, the seed that he gives us, the resources that he gives us, so that we can be more generous. You've heard it this way. We are blessed so that we can be a blessing. That sounds like a great way to live. God wants to rid us of this fear regarding money. Um. One of the things we were praying for in our family was we've got kids who are getting ready to go to college, and we said, well, we'd love it if we could help more with college and not have them go through and get all this debt. And, uh, and when this was right as we were getting ready to give in the, in the campaign a year ago, and we felt like God was giving us a number, and we're like, man, oh, okay, let's see how God provides here. And so we stepped out in faith, and we are halfway through our committed amount. As we're halfway through the campaign, we've given half of that amount. Well, what happened a couple weeks later is we got a phone call from North Central University, which is where Christy and I went to school, went to college, and they were looking for an executive assistant to the president of the university, and somebody thought of Christy Kerr. And we're like, that's weird. We weren't looking for a job, but, you know, it's like, and she was at a point where she's like, well, I feel like, you know, the kids are getting a little bit older now. I could, you know, do more things with my day, and so we said, well, we don't know. We feel like God is opening this door. We should at least go pursue it. And it worked out where she got a job at North Central University. She's been working there for a year. And one of the, the benefits is a, is a tuition benefit for kids to go to college. It doesn't start at 100%. It'll kind of go up. But it was a way of God showing, to, showing us. You stepped out in faith. And there was a way that God provided that we would have not dreamed of. We would have, this was not on our radar before. I say that to say to you, God has ways of providing we, we put him in a box thinking, well, he's either going to do this or he's either going to do this, and we're waiting for that, and something comes out of left field, and we're like, I, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I just want to encourage you with that. Our God owns the resources. He can provide in so many ways. I was, it was funny that I had a, a meeting with my financial advisor this past week. Again, it was, had been on the calendar for a couple of months. It was one that was long overdue, and so she was asking. She's a good friend of ours, been our financial advisor for a while. She was asking, well, how are things going with the job and everything? And I said, it's interesting to me how my fear-based approach to money can kind of creep up, and it doesn't matter how much money's in the bank. And I said, when we first got married, I'd be paying the bills, and I'd think, oh, if I could just have, if I could just have $500 in the bank, I think I would just be so at peace. Right? Been there? And then what happens is, you know, you start getting more raises, and then, you, and then the day comes when you have $500 in the bank, and do you feel more at peace? No, because what I said then was, if I could just have $1,000 in the bank, and it just keeps going, and she was laughing, and she said, I was with a client 
does not go to this church. Well, she didn't say who it was. I'm assuming it wasn't go to this, doesn't go to this church. She said, I have a client who I met with last week. He said the same thing. She said, his amounts were a little different. He said, boy, for a lot of years, I just was waiting for a million dollars to be in savings and investment and that I knew I would be set. And then I got there and I said, oh, man, if I could just have $3 million. And, uh, and, then, and then he got to $3 million and he said, oh, I just, if I could just get to $10 million. And the financial planner said, you see the trend here, right? That it's not about the amounts. And I said, no kidding, it's not about the amounts. Goodness sake, like, I'd, I'd love to try that one. Let's see it, you know. It does, it, the fear creeps up in me, and it's not an amount thing. We have a way to, to be fearful of resources, no matter how God provides. I want to encourage you, whatever you are in the spectrum of the $100 to the $10 million, it's a heart thing. It's a hard thing. God can provide. He wants our faith. He wants us to be generous. There's not a limited amount of resources. Sorry, I'm wrapping up here in a minute. Betty, our eighth grader, was doing a project on the water cycle. You know, the water cycle, precipit anyone can, can anyone name the precipitation, condensation, evaporation. Okay, so water on the ocean evaporates, goes in the atmosphere, and then it condensation turns into clouds. And then when it condensates enough, so you can tell I wasn't very good at teaching this, then it rains and then it runs back into the ocean and it's a cycle. And what I didn't know is there is a fixed number of water molecules in the atmosphere. There's no change to it. It's the same amount of water, whether it's in the ocean or in the air or down running through, the, running through our faucets or whatever, it, it's in the ground. There's a fixed number of water molecules in the atmosphere. It never changes. I hope I'm right about that. I read it in the textbook. We, I say that to say this, as I was working through this with my eighth grader a couple weeks ago, we approach our resources the same way. Well, there's just a fixed amount of resources, and i got to kind of gobble up as much as I can, right? If there's a fixed number of dollars in the world, I want as many, like we're playing a game of Hungry Hungry Hippos. You know that game where you try to get as many marbles as you can? we got to gobble it up because if there's only a, a limited amount of resources, that's a scarcity mentality, a limited mentality. I'm saying that's not the way it is with God. God has a way of providing. God owns all the resources. So I'm saying this to say... Let's just allow God to do a work in our heart where we lay down that fear-based, control, greed, uh, panicked mentality about our resources where we're trying to get as many marbles as we can and come into the life that God wants to provide for us, the freedom and the peace and the faith and the trust where we see him provide, where we can be generous, where we see the harvest that comes from our generosity out of what God provided for us. And we say, wow, I'm so glad I get to be a part of this. He wants to flow resources through us to, or through us to somebody in need. And he wants to use that. He's looking for people to flow resources through. And that includes all of us. And if you want to be a part of that, he's inviting you in. And the way to do that is to start being generous. If you don't want to be a part of that, God says, okay, you can do it. You can hang on to it. I'm going to use somebody else. This is for our benefit that he invites us in, but it's up to you. And I just say this as I close. I never want us in any area of our life of faith to look back and say, I wonder what if I would have obeyed. I wonder what would have happened if I would have been faithful here. I wonder what would have happened if I would have obeyed God here. I always want to be in a position where I look back and say, I'm so glad I trusted God. I'm so glad I opened that area of my life up to God. I'm so glad I trusted because look what he did. I mean, I, I think of Greta Wimbledon's $61 in the piggy bank. We're just going to look at that and say, look at, look at what God did through that. 
Look at what God did through the money that came in. And we're going to have these moments. And I promise you we're going to have these moments in this building when it's all done and the air conditioning's working and it's going to be great. And we're seeing the church grow. We're seeing God bring families in, hurting families. We're seeing people get saved. We're seeing our kids in elementary school invite their kids, and they get saved, and then their families start coming, and people's lives and families and communities are being impacted, and people are growing in faith, and those who are hurting are finding hope. Those who are in need are finding help. We have a building that we're using as a tool to bring light into our community through all sorts of events and programs, and we're using this, and we're seeing God change our community through this building. We're going to have moments where we look at each other and we're going to say, I'm so glad we get to do this. I'm, look at what God is doing. Can you believe we get to be a part of this? I want to encourage you, you're going to be way happier in those moments than if you're on the sidelines saying, boy, I wonder what would have happened if I would have opened up my area of this life to God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your ability to provide your generous heart for us. We are products of your grace and provision and generosity. And we recognize everything we have is from you. Everything we have is from you. It's yours, and we want to be good stewards of it. We want to manage it well. We want the flow of resources to be. You provide for us, and we are generous to others. And we want to see you use those seeds that we sow to impact our neighborhoods, our communities, our workplaces. We are excited for what you're doing in this church. We are excited for the specifics of this project. We commit the next couple of months and the next several months over to you as we get in this building and we renovate and we build and repair the things that need to be repaired and we start having services there. We commit the whole process to you. And I'm praying this week as we take these cards and we pray that you would speak to hearts, that you would speak a word of assurance and peace just as the fear and the uncertainty rises up at the thought of it the thought of giving some money, that you would just speak peace and assurance to all of us who need it, saying, I've got you. I'm providing for you. Just trust me. Just trust me. So do that work in each of us this week, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.